Welcome to the Patmos Podcast. I'm Cooper Wagner, and I'm often joined by my partner, Cole Jones. Here at Patmos, we're on a mission to be the healthiest investment firm in the world. Part of how we plan on doing that is by learning from men who've gone before us in life and business. So I hope you enjoy these conversations, and thanks for listening in. If you find them helpful, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, or just shoot us an email, which can be found on our website at patmoscp.com. All right. Well, today we are here with our good friend Kyle Waldrop um, in Dallas. We're in the officially in the new studio. We've got all the cameras set up. Got the mics rocking and rolling. So we're ready to go. Kyle is um, a local Dallas boy, an SMU pony, and an entrepreneur, and leading the charge here in DFW and um, just some fun breaking industry stuff or industry breaking or however you would say that industry leading industry leading industry leading there we go yeah so um man we're we're excited i think it's gonna be a fun episode just for us to hear more about dotted frankly and also um i think just to encourage people again at at another young guy who is um a value aligned with us who's who's going for it and started something pretty amazing and um, just where that's that's already gone and where it's going to continue to go. So excited to hear about it. But I think let's just jump in, um, Kyle. If you just want to give us a little bit about um, you know who you are, a little more of your background, let you do some of that intro uh, for yourself, cool. which isn't ideal. But we're gonna we're gonna ask you to be arrogant, cocky. Uh, tell us tell us who is this man? Yeah, put me on the spot, Cooper uh, Cole. Thank you for the time. Yeah, born and raised in Dallas, founder and CEO of Dotted. Um, gosh, never left Dallas, went to SMU, went to SMU to play tennis. Um, fun fact about me, I had West Nam virus. So my whole world changed first day of freshman year of college. Uh, was at SMU to play and yeah. Uh, play, I woke up, play tennis. Play tennis, right? yeah. SMU to play and um, goodness, woke up sick and a lot of my world uh, got just totally jumped upside down uh, really fast. So tennis went out the window, didn't pick up a rack for two years, and then had to figure out college life, obviously outside of sport. And, and you know, honestly, the Lord was really gracious to just transform a lot about me, uh, which I think is a really good intro to doubt it, because if that didn't happen, we're probably not in this room. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Because you're probably at the US Open right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I'm, I'm not that good. Um, but yeah, fast forwarding post-college, Really, at the end of school, I was looking to get in brokerage. So I was going to be um, on the agency leasing side. I wanted to lease assets. I wanted to. Hey, can I just pause real quick? Yeah. How many people get got West Nile virus? <laughs> so you can't just really slide into that. Summer of 2012. Another fun fact. Only things I would know, uh, just because I had it. Um, there's about a thousand people in the U.S. that got West Nile virus seriously, and Dallas was actually the epicenter of West Nile activity in the United States. Summer of 2012 which is wild. And most Why? people have no reason to know that, obviously. Um, don't really know. Mosquitoes were bad that year. I don't know if you remember or if you were here. I only know one other person from HP. Yeah. Do you know Riley Siebel or yeah. his dad? Yeah. His dad got West Yeah. And I remember it being like terrible. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got it. I was sick for two years and I was really sick for six months. So I woke up sick morning of August 20th, 2012. I was that kid who showed up to class. Just 
10-year anniversary. Yeah, literally. Uh, I was actually showed up in class who the teachers thought had partied too hard the previous night because I was groggy and coughing and sneezing. I was like that kid who was sick who no one wanted to be next to. And of course, being a freshman, you're already kind of like, who are my friends? Yeah. How are we going to have relationships? All that stuff. Um, goodness. So I actually, little quick story, and I'll move past this, but uh, went home that afternoon, literally like had a sandwich at the house, and I fell asleep. And that's the last thing I remember until mid-October. August wow. to October. Yes, yeah, so August 20th until about 5th or 6th of October. I have no recollection of the time period kind of between those two dates. Now, what's really weird is I was fully functional. So I would, you know, eat, sleep, talk. I went to class. And I just don't remember it. I just don't really remember it. And that is wild. It was a wild. And yeah, that was, you know, when you look back at my life, I look at, gosh, so many years were spent trying to do tennis and travel and coaches and training and all of the things in high school. And then you get like, great, this opportunity, and then you're excited, and you know, it's 19 years old, most 19-year-old males are not exactly the most humble people, um, and I definitely fit that mold, so um, I got humbled quickly, and give you a couple other facts that'll pull your mind, I was running a 530 mile, uh, August 15th wow. of 2012, I was at Thanksgiving, I was 6'2", 135 pounds at Thanksgiving, so the virus just like took me out like took my body fully away. So all of my gifts and tennis and anything I wanted to do athletically, totally out the window. This was like full on how do we do life and survive. And yeah, Jeez. that's came my work. That's crazy. I, I literally was today in a group text. Somebody made fun of me for never working out. And <laughs> I, I went back on my Garmin because they said I haven't jogged in four years. And I went back and I think the last time I jogged was uh, January 12th, 2021. <laughs> And it was Good. three miles at that pace. No, it starts somewhere. It's, 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 start somewhere. Not, it's not 530. But, <laughs> and it was something. And it wasn't four years ago, so I won that bet. Yeah. But, it's good. Um, wow, that is wild. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I think you've, you've told us that over lunch once, but yeah. it, it's just crazy to remember how life just shapes you. When it's such a, it was such a dynamic turning point in my world that led into much of how I see the world now. Um, which is, I want to go build and do because I, you never know when you wake up the next day and like the whole world has changed. Right. And so it, it created an urgency for how I live, um, which really flows into kind of that end of senior year, getting out of college, trying to get a job. Uh, background there was I was wanting to go to law school. My dad was a former bank attorney, and so I was kind of following those footsteps. We decided for health reasons, not that I was still that sick, but just to be in Dallas, be around family, uh, get a job, be low key, not, you know, not go do anything crazy. And commercial real estate was attractive, uh, just from a relational perspective and also just like an industry perspective. And started meeting, asking uh, for coffees and, you know, y'all are in real estate, you know how it goes. You talk to three people, which talks to nine people, which yeah. talks to 40 people. And so uh, kind of that network effect of just meeting folks uh, really turned into me asking questions about what people didn't like about their job and why they, yeah, why they wanted to see something different, uh, whether that was technology or not, but how to create efficiency, how to create optimization inside real estate was how I started asking questions and kind of leading the people I was having coffee with. I think a few people were a little thrown off because uh, most people sit in those and are like, tell me all the ways I can make so much money. Right. And I was kind of like, 
uh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. If you do well in real estate, that's, that's a potentially an, an outcome, but I wanted to ask more pointed as to what could I help solve for and what's the industry need? And so that's where, that's where all of this really began. Yeah. Wow. So you were, you were leaving, um, you were leaving SME looking to just go into brokerage, so yep. networking, and you just started to see a need. I did. So I started seeing a need, started to see that lease transaction inefficiency was just like, wow, multi-month, multi-party business transaction that's kind of marred in email and Excel and lack of transparency, lack of accountability. I was also starting to look at tools like Asana or Trello or Monday.com or you know, obviously Teams is now the, the new of that. but. And just starting to look at that stuff and thinking ultimately, like, how do you engage social media with this? How do you do marketing with this? Like, I had so many ideas, I couldn't even nail down one. Um, and really what it was is I had no interest in starting my own business. That's what's hilarious about it. I had all the interest in how to optimize what I was going to do inside commercial real estate mm -hmm. to be different. Because 22-year-old male in commercial real estate, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Right. Um, and so Six foot, yeah. white guy. Home over. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways, in Dallas. Thank you. Just talking about SME. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I grew up with. Yeah. Um, but in Dallas, that's the persona, and thus to stand out in that crowd, I felt like, hey, let's go be a little bit different if we can, and if we can't, then like, sick. Yeah. Great. Um, so things actually really changed early June of sixteen. Was going through the interview process at a group. A uh, larger brokerage house that was kind of pursuing, I was pursuing, we were trying to figure it out, I was going on tours, and um, yeah, there was one morning I went on a tour with a leasing agent, went back to the office, I had uh, way overstepped my bounds on the tour, like way overstepped my bounds. I was the guy who was supposed to stand there. story, I got to yourself. I was the guy <laughs> that was supposed to stand there and shut up, Yeah. Uh, but I did the opposite of that. So I was moving around the space, and I was, these tenants, prospective tenants were in from uh, Washington, D.C., and they were looking for medical office space down on Lemon. And um, yeah, I asked so many questions and never shut up. And I got reamed in the car right back to the office by this leasing broker who was like, you're gonna lose us this deal. You can't talk like this. These aren't questions you should ask. Like, this is our show. You don't work here. Like, and Did you start asking questions trying to be helpful or you were curious oh, or was, you were just yeah. wanting to know what the deals with the space were? <laughs> so I literally asked the prospective tenants. I said, does this brokerage house send you everything that you've seen kind of from a, a space perspective, a here's what the potential deal looks like perspective. Do they send it to you virtually post the tour? Because I don't know. I was like, that only makes sense. Right. Um, based on my life and kind of my introduction to technology. Right. And by the way, not some technologist. I have no deep background in it. Uh, but it we just race. We're the generation that's raised. Yeah, race with it. And yeah. so I, I was not supposed to ask that um, because that brokerage house did not send them anything virtually post the tour. It was all this like he said, she said, landlord leasing agent, tenant rep leasing it. You know, tenant rep like agent. Just old school. Yeah, old school stuff. And which is fine. I have no, I had no issue with it. I just was asking. Right. And um, went back to the office, went to the conference room, met with the guy who was at the time, uh, the head of the region or whatever he was, and um, he just asked me, he was like, hey, uh, you know, do you want to work here? And I was like, I said no. <laughs> Same day? Same day. Yeah, like this is all within, a, within about two hours. Um, yeah, I said no, and he was like, well, why are you in my conference room? And I was like, 
I'm going to go start a company and one day you're going to use my product. Boom. That's so savage. And he laughed at me, which rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, I was foolish. Um, but you kind of, I mean, to be, I mean, successful people have that chip. Yeah, I, I just believed, I was like, gosh, there has to be a better way to do this. Why, why is it this way? And if it's this way for a reason and I need to be humble, then let's do it. Right. Great. I'm in. Um, walked, got walked to the elevator, laughed to the elevator uh, at the same time. Uh, called my mom in the lobby of the office building. And crying. <laughs> yeah. I think my mom was crying, not me, yeah. because mom just wanted me to have a job. After all the, you know, the four years of SMU and the sickness and all the stuff, it was just like, hey, get some stability. But um, I said, no, we're going to go. I've got an idea. We're going to go start this thing. I love so, it. This is, that's interesting. That's, incredible. that's that's awesome. So, okay, so that, that's perfect segue yeah. into what is Dotted. How did, so that's the birthing story. Then what was kind of the first steps and on what, like, what was the idea? So the idea was around building a workflow tool for lease transactions. And I knew that if you could start with lease transactions, build out true workflow. So I'm thinking, you know, how do you create Asana for commercial real estate? And thank you to the Asana folks for all your information on your website. Uh, it's really <laughs> helpful. Um, but how do you create that for commercial real estate? How do you um, how do you build something that has workflow enablement to engage the people and the users that are going to be part of the transaction process, so that they can go do their job better? Uh, that was the initial idea. And yeah, I, I mean, obviously once I turned down the job, I've got, I had no business degree from SMU, I have no technology background, and I've now turned down the job in real estate to right. learn about real estate. So I'm kind of 0 for 3 starting out, but in a lot of ways that was the best combination. Right. Because what I got to find out is I got to learn online and from folks um, in the space who knew more than I did. And, and just got to flush a lot of ideas and a lot of concepts out with a lot of people. And with the, probably with no bias to where you're coming Not, in and you're seeing here's where I think the need is. Mm -hmm. Do you see this need? Where, where is the need? Yep. How can I meet it? And going from there. Yeah. So, okay, so you see, you, you've seen that. You see there's a need for workflow in commercial real estate. Um, and then what's your next step? You're gonna, I'm gonna start this company. You meet, you're meeting with people, getting all that. Sure. What's the next after that? Yeah, so um, I basically wrote all of my ideas out over two years on legal, yellow legal pads. And it's so silly. Uh, but tech I had, company starting on yeah, yellow legal pads. Tech company on the yellow legal pads. Because, uh, you know, my friends know this about me, but I, yeah, my ability to engage technology and help myself is a little bit limited, which is funny. And thus, the legal pads just was like, it was the easiest to show up to a coffee, to show up to a lunch, and like just take notes and aggregate those notes. And so I did. And yeah, after two years, met with, gosh, 250 plus people, got to know the space intimately well. Uh, amazingly got to climb the ladder to some folks that I have no business meeting with and really get to flush out um, really what Dotted was ultimately going to become. And not just from a, hey, let's build an initial product and see if it works, but like the long-term Dotted. Mm -hmm. And the long-term of Dotted actually, yes, there's a vision here, but that vision was started even before we had any capital. Mm -hmm. um, I, I knew ultimately what we wanted to do and how we wanted to build it. And so um, kind of next step is uh, end of summer 18, Got our first round of just angel investment uh, from six folks and uh, got started, got up to the races. So how much did you, what was the first round race? Race was 850. Okay. Uh, was that the target or that's what, that's where I landed? So the target was 750, we landed at 850 and we got some guys uh, in that round that I think were incredibly beneficial to me just starting out to understand like 
why are you doing this? What are you doing? How do you do it? Where do you do it? Who do you do it for? Um, so this is a, this is embarrassing for me, but uh, it'll be good for it'll be good for this uh, segment. I didn't know that CBRE Cushman and JLL didn't own the buildings when I first started out looking at real estate. I was like, there are signs out. I didn't know. Now, obviously, I got educated really quickly. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I mean, I, 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 that's such a fair thing. And I think what people can get so intimidated by is I don't know this, but I think just going into a situation with, I mean, I think all of us maybe are people who might not be the most naturally humble, but yeah. going in with yeah. humility and just saying, hey, ex explain this to me. I see JLL on the side of that. I assume that means you own it. You know, what's crazy is people are so gracious mm -hmm. and you just assume that you have to act like you know what you're doing to be successful. But I think the people who like, actually make the furthest are the ones who are intellectually honest and humble, who are just like, hey, I don't really know what's going on. That's, that, was, that was me, is me, still yeah. in the real estate world, where I'm just like, I don't know what sulfur means. Ken Cole, will you explain that to yeah. me again yeah, yeah, yeah. for the ninth time? Right. And he will. And uh, you know, I think that is a dumb example, but on a greater picture, when you're talking with the who's who of Dallas, sure. They just respect that when you're when you're intellectually curious and honest. Yeah, and it was shocking. I mean, I climbed the ladder before we capitalized folks that were just you know in, in really high positions, managing a lot of either real estate or a lot of people. And I would always get on these calls and basically I would tell them first thing I told them was, hey, I don't know anywhere near what you know. Uh, my hope is to learn a fraction of what you know uh, because you'll likely forget more than I will ever know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was a lot of the attitude was just trying to sit and listen and talk. So uh, I think that led into how we raised capital. And I think that led into really the early days of Dotted of just trying to learn and meet and segment out different ideas and how do we build a product? Like once we had capital in the bank, I remember waking up September 1st of 18 thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> oh no. Like, oh no, because there's now capital in the bank and I was trying to figure out, and you have this, weird personal dichotomy of, wow, I'm 20, 24, 25 at the time. I've raised money in Dallas on an idea, basically on a napkin, mm -hmm. uh, no product, no team, et cetera. That's so unlikely in Dallas, first off. Mm -hmm. But then there's this whole thing of like, you actually have to go execute and do what you do. Mm -hmm. And um, what's neat is that the Lord actually brought some really cool people around me who were enablers and edifiers uh, from the perspective of trying to build me up to learn and grow and move faster and, and frankly, mature me quicker than I was maturing almost kind of on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that was really the crux of, call it the first six to 12 months of Dotted, was ideas, 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 flushing them out. Uh, we then engaged a third-party development firm to build us um, an initial piece of technology that we thought we could get in the in the hands of uh, some initial folks. And, so and was that your first thing you did with the money? Yeah, it was the first thing we did with the money, uh, was trying, I wanted to get some screens out there. I wanted to see if this was even remotely possible to do. Uh, and that, you know, that third party development firm took what we had, made it what we wanted to make it. And, uh, and then the best next story is July 31st of 19. Uh, July 31st, 19, I got a call from uh, one of our first hires and, and a guy named Alex and he's one of my best friends and it was just a, it was a hysterical call. I was in Atlanta with one of our investors meeting with some groups out there and he said, yeah, I just got off the phone with our, our first beta user and he hates it. 
And I was like, great, awesome, um, cool, where do we go from here? Because there's no textbook. When right. you start the business, there's no like, hey, first call, beta user hates it, uh, go down this path or go down that path. You then are like, you're totally making it up as you go. Mm -hmm. uh, so I flew back to Dallas. Actually, Alex and I met on that evening after I flew back and we're like, okay, why does he hate it? And apparently the guy uh, talked to Alex for about 30 minutes and listed out like, can't use this and I can't use this and I can't use this. And so what it actually told us is, in a lot of ways, yes, he hated it, but we actually knew what to build. Mm -hmm. And so if he had just gotten on the phone and been like, ah, like whatever, I like it, but I'm never gonna use it, that doesn't help us. Right. The constructive criticism enabled us to go build the product that ultimately we wanted to build. Yep. Um, and it wasn't, a, it was by no means a deviation of where we started. It just, the real estate intricacies were way deeper than we initially expected. Mm -hmm. um, and that's born out of the fact of, hey, I wasn't in real estate. Yeah. Well, that's why there's so much opportunity. Right. It's because it's so intricate. I think what I've seen is a lot of people just, when they run into a problem, and myself included, is you just stop there. Because that's where most people stop, which is, again, why there's opportunity and why you're talking to these people who know infinitely more than you, but they just don't have the time or margin to, to fill that gap. Correct. They're just like, I'm so far into my career. I manage so many people. We already do so. We got one billion under management. It would help us so much to have this, but we, it's not even a thought to, to tackle it. Yeah, and you're actually, you're getting something I want to talk about later around this idea of like nimbleness and agility from kind of a new company perspective versus the old way of doing it, the established way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Not even old necessarily, but just the established way of having a process and, and working on something. For us, we could have been wrong every single day, but ultimately after 90 days, we were probably right on something. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where, yeah, I mean, the company just, fast forward on some of the timeline here, the company began to, uh, we started hiring some folks, brought in our current CTO, Seneca Miller, and brought him over from Toyota Connected. He's, his whole thing was, hey, let's go digitally transform commercial real estate. And I thought he was, uh, thought he was totally right in our first interview that this industry was right for this. You know, he used the Uber and Lyft analogy of car sharing existed, you know, in the form of taxis. Mm -hmm. Someone put technology around it and then enabled it to a wider audience. Mm -hmm. Awesome, how do we go do that for real estate and on the workflow side? And so that's really where we began to think, um, think critically about the product and the expansion of the product to get into market. Of course, uh, everyone remembers kind of the start of 2020. Uh, we, were, we were not in market, we were not selling anything yet. Uh, we had some folks that we were meeting with that were gracious enough to say, hey, I'll, I'll try this out type of deal. Right. Um, and yeah, then the world ended. And so that was a whole situation yeah. um, that, you know, again, one of those things that I look back along the journey that I'm like, wow, there's no book for the hundred year pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have the like, hey, yeah, you should go do this for customers or this is how you engage customers. We were so new that I actually had a big decision to make in April of 20. Uh, I gathered our investors and we had actually, we'd raised another round at this point. So we raised 3 million. So we we were sitting on 3.85 raised, obviously deployed some of that into product and people. Uh, but I gathered our investors April of 20 and I said, hey, there's a decision here. You either sit on the capital that you've got in the bank and you basically lay off or fire most of the employees down to call it a core group of maybe three or four. Mm -hmm. Or you take the product opportunity, you believe in the mission, you believe in the vision, you believe in what you're trying to build, and you can either be dead wrong in 12 months, and we've all, it's been nice and it's done, or you're not dead right, but you at least have the door open to be right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I presented that, and I, I knew what I 
wanted to do at the time. I wanted to scale up. I think we were the only people in 2020 that were hiring folks. Um, it's just, you know, it was a really interesting time for PropTech in Dallas. Like it was, yeah. we were, we were so new, no one knew who we were. So I was like, hey, let's go get some people and let's go try and build a product that we think could sell in market. Um, and so we did, that's, that's where I went. So you got some? Yeah, no, I want to talk about a little bit, uh, rewinding for what you talked about, nimble and, and staying focused. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something within PropTech, there's so many areas that you can, you know, uh, go into. And how did you guys think about focusing on one problem and one issue and not, you know, getting out over your skis on other things? Yeah, so great question. I think um, we looked at social media, we looked at marketing, we looked at uh, what I would term real true portfolio management, investment management. We looked at leasing, we looked at acquisitions, dispositions. But the only reason we looked at all of those things is because actually workflow technology can enable every part of the process. And so we had to figure out a way to start somewhere that enabled us to start at a core and then you start slowly building out, you know, obviously pending success and pending users. Um, nothing happens without that. But I wanted to start the core of the transaction because for me, and this was like, again, a simple thought, if there's nobody in a building, the building doesn't have much value outside the land. Mm -hmm. For a real estate owner, for an investment manager, for a pension fund, for a regional owner, for an operator, like that cash flow is the basis of their business. Um, and for me, that seemed like the most logical, but also the most core place to, to begin a business uh, from a tech perspective, is I wanted to come alongside what was central and core to our ultimate end customer. Um, also knowing that if I could do that, then I'd have the opportunity to stand out. So uh, jumping back to where you were in the story a little bit. Yeah. Your, that, that's, what, what was the date of that conversation with investors? Oh man. Or like just it was generally. like second or third week of April. Okay. Of 20. Of 20. So 20. COVID, we're a month into COVID. Yeah, we're a month into COVID. And I'm imagining these investors are older than you. Most yes. of them. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, quite yeah. a bit probably. Yes. So how is it like, you, you call this meeting, nobody knows what's going on. You got older investors. Like how did right. you prepare for that? How are you leading older people? Like that. I mean, not I'll, if you can thank employees as well, but like specifically with investors, that's an intimidating thing for a 25-year-old whose company is a year in and right. like in chaos of the world. Literally. How are you thinking about leading them? Yeah, so I wanted to be able to paint the picture for where we could be again. And I, I remember prefacing that meeting with ha just having no knowledge of what the world was going to allow. And I remember telling them that, you know, on, on both scenarios, no matter which one we ultimately chose, both scenarios didn't mean success. Like they were, there wasn't one that was like, oh, this has a higher success rate than the other. Like the world was totally unknown at the time. And so for me, I wanted to, um, I wanted to paint the picture of why we started Dotted, uh, what Dotted was meant to solve. And then most of the investors were in real estate. So I think everyone had a real simple understanding of ultimately if the world got back to normal, which at that time was an unknown, mm -hmm. but let's just say it did, at some point, Cash flow of an asset still matters. Mm -hmm. um, and cash flow is ultimately still the basis for how real estate people think and operate. And thus, if we're building an, a product that comes alongside the cash flow of an asset, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I was really thankful to be in that space at that time. But you also have to understand what Dotted ultimately wants to accomplish is massive. 
Like we want to be the asset operating platform for every owner in the world. And by asset operations, that just includes leasing. Yeah. So you can see that, you know, our net, our net's gonna expand. We, we're gonna take territory where we feel like from a functionality perspective, we can go take territory. And that was what I laid out at that investor meeting. Mm -hmm. um, I think it scared the heck out of some people. <laughs> I think some people thought I was nuts. Um, and I think some people still think I'm nuts. But I think there were some folks in there that were like, yeah, great, I didn't invest in this to go sit on the cash. I mean, if this, we're just sitting on the cash and I'm sitting at home, like, that, that vision is just dying. Yeah, and they're watching at the same time on the news. Right. Adam Newman walked away with like four million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Charismatic young leader that's right. like selling me on this tech dream. Right, and uh, I was, you know, it was, it was funny. I was living at home at the time and, and you know, just in kind of my sister's bedroom. And it's just, it was kind of a weird out of context meeting. Yeah. Um, just, I didn't know what the heck I was really talking about and probably still don't. But what I wanted to give them was, it was a little bit of the hope of, hey, here's what we can do. And, and if we're right, we're right. And frankly, if we're wrong, we're wrong. And great. Mm -hmm. That's it. Keep it simple. Yeah. That's good. How many investors said no? Like how many, really just talk about raising capital and, sure. and the people that you came across and even the product. Like talk about whenever you hear a no, you know, I'm sure you got a lot of no's. We get a lot of no's in, yeah. in the industry we're in and raising capital and you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, how do you look at a no? Yeah, no's were, no's were always maybe for me. Um, and maybes were yeses. And yeses were, here's the documents. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's, that's exactly how I operated. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. So, uh, to totally rewind, uh, one of our initial investors, he still claims he actually sits on our board. He still claims he didn't know he was investing initially in Doc. Um, I had to, apparently I convinced him or uh, just told him he was. Um, but actually, it was the first person to say yes, December 17th of 17, uh, sat in his office and he was like, hey, you know, I'm going to invest X for Y and um, I'm thinking about it. And I left that office and it wasn't, to me, it wasn't thinking about it. It was, yeah, we have a vision to go accomplish and you're in. Uh, so I started raising money based off the fact that he was thinking about investing. Um, and that check size was actually large enough to where based on our initial 750 round, that actually was meaningful. Um, and thus, yeah, Cole, your question, there were plenty of no's before that, and there's still been a lot of no's to this day, I think. Um, we took on a little bit of the underdog mentality. Most prop tech startups are not in Dallas. Uh, <laughs> Silicon Valley, LA, Boston, New York, uh, even Atlanta, Chicago. I mean, Dallas is uh, definitely a laggard from a prop tech perspective, but even you know from an overall startup perspective, it's a laggard. And thus, there's not a ton of venture capital here. Family offices really run a lot of the, the investment world. And, and yeah, no's were frequent and they were robust. Uh, I remember being told that I was literally a lunatic uh, for thinking that I could go into the space and build something that you know someone would use with no background in the space or no background in tech. We heard everything. Um, to give you some perspective on numbers, uh, amazingly had 30 investor meetings for that first round of funding for 850 and got six people to say yes. So that batting percentage was not actually not that bad. Yeah. Um, since then, of course, you know, 
a lot of investor meetings we've raised now, 14 and a half million. Um, and so, you know, way more investor meetings, et cetera. But what really ultimately helped change the project is we got some core investors that just like believed, mm -hmm. and, which has been great. So is your hit rate, just out of curiosity, is your hit rate now higher or lower than it was that first round? Like when you're, I mean, I, I'd imagine sure. more people are interested in what yeah. happened on the table. Are you saying no to investors? Are investors saying no to you? Where, where is that kind of, just generally? Yeah, generally, uh, I hate to give you the both hand yeah, uh, yeah. because I don't think that's helpful. I think the hit rate is definitely higher, for sure. But we're also, we now know, and again, this is a process of education, we now know who we want to talk to. Right. So we're not taking a lot of just like ancillary meetings where we know that no's are the outcome mm -hmm. because it's a waste of time for them and us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't need to talk to every Silicon Valley blue chip because most of those firms don't maybe have a history of investing in commercial prop tech. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So we're, we've segmented out who we're going to talk to and why we're going to talk to them, um, which has been really helpful. And are you kind of currently, are you continually raising as you go, or is it just in scheduled rounds, or is it where, where, where how do you think about that? Typically scheduled rounds. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do, you know, seed or A or B or whatever, ultimately. But um, yeah, typically scheduled rounds, but I think my dad jokes with me, I'm always raising money. Yeah. Yes. I think you have to be. Yeah. Um, and I think what's been unique now that we've been in marketing, we've got customers and revenue, all things you've got an opportunity where customer conversations actually also become investment conversations and then you have like random meetings that you get introductions to that, oh man, oh, you may want to invest. Those things have become more of a norm now. Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you, sorry, go ahead. No, how, how do you guys think about like, as you raise money, who's setting those valuations? Like, or is it, is that an internal thing or do you guys, you know, go to somebody and do that or what does that look like? Yeah, we keep it internal and um, I think it's hard, hard when you have a big vision and you have a product that's expanding as quickly as our product, getting an outside source to trust to go in and do your valuation is difficult. For me, it's very simple. My dad raised me on the idea that a, a business or something worth investing in is only as good as the person writing the check. That's it. So if they're willing to write it for like Adam Newman and that WeWork case, those investors were willing to write it at X, great. For Dotted, it may be Y. Mm -hmm. But that's that's where we view venture and you know traditionalist call it MBA or traditionalist VC people may scoff at that and that's fine I I hear their point you know you need to set up the capital structure well you need to be you know good valuation to grow long term and grow into it and I, I'm all for all of those metrics and all that conversation but ultimately it ultimately comes down to is someone willing to invest or buy at X or Y and does that X or Y suit where your needs are and. So we take a very again, simplistic approach to it. Good. So, um, all right, so you've got, I'm trying to think of where we're at in this story. I, I've got distracted because one of our lights died back there. So, <laughs> Cole, it, it, I, yeah, we well, just got I, charges I, for it yeah, yesterday. I tried to charge it up and just didn't get all the way there. But um, maybe talk about where you think Dotted is going. Sure. Just got to kind of peel back the curtain on uh, what's coming up and, you know, how you look at that. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, September of 22 now, Dotted's product is at a massive inflection point. So Dotted's product is about to significantly expand. Uh, we've been thinking for the past six to eight months that, you know, again, this goes along with the timeline. You bring a product to market Q1 of 21, you start getting initial customers on, you start getting some viability and some repeatability, you start seeing those customers renew, you start really understanding what a customer wants and needs and frankly deserves 
uh, as they're going to utilize your technology. Um, so we started seeing those things, obviously this spring, I made some decisions internally that significantly affected our growth trajectory uh, in terms of where capital allocation went and to who and what departments. And ultimately my goal is by the end of this year, I wanted to build an asset operating platform. So think of it as asset OS or however you want to think about it. Um, but what's unique is that the shift will move dotted outside of just a leasing transaction tool into a much greater asset management platform. And we believe, and this may be controversial if anybody's in real estate uh, listening to this, so be it. We believe there's a category that has not been created around asset management. Like truly coming alongside the capital um, you know, in real estate from an owner operator perspective, we believe that there's a category that we are creating uh, to where you build functionality specifically for those people. Um, and so we started the leasing and we're now, we're now moving out uh, outside of leasing. So when an idea like that pops in your brain, yeah. what's the timeline that that rolls out in? So I mean, it changes for everything, but one that you're like, that's that's what we're going after next. I'm an incredibly impatient worker, <laughs> incredibly. Uh, and our CTO has had to put up with me for probably far too long, frankly. But I, when I make done yet? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's kind of like it, you know, parents road trips with young kids. Are we there yet? Yeah. Uh, a little bit of how I view dotted is. When I made that decision early, early this spring, I want to see by the end of the year. But that takes a lot of time and effort. Like you yeah. have to go scale up teams, you have to hire people, you have to put roadmaps in place. Like, I mean, it doesn't just like, you don't snap and it happens. And um, for me, it's just the beginning. Like I know, I already know what 2023 is ultimately gonna look like. We've already got our team working on, we've got our team working on things that will deliver end of next year. Right. Um, because that's how far we have to think out because that's part of the vision. The vision is if you're going to create an asset operating platform and you're going to get so many users and personas into the same place, you better give them something to do on your product mm -hmm. or they're not going to use it. Uh, I think there's a really interesting um, conversation going on in, in the tech space around like adoption, the word adoption versus kind of the word engagement. For me, engagement is the word that I go after way more than adoption. Trying to get brokers to adopt anything outside of just doing deals is borderline impossible. Mm, they're lazy. You said. Um, and that's where, for the brokerage world, you know, we, we want to be the enablers of the brokerage community. We want them to strive and succeed. Frankly, I want them endowed as little as possible. Mm -hmm. Go and do what you need to do and leave. Go do your deals. Mm -hmm. I'm for you to do that. Um, I don't need you sitting on Dotted, sitting in a mobile app, sitting in a work, you know, desktop, workplace app. I don't need you on the computer. I need it to be as simple and usable as possible so that you get in, you get done, and you move along. Um, and so we look at, you know, how often are brokers, asset managers, property managers, construction managers, on, go down the personas that we have on our tool, how often are they engaging the tool um, as a way better idea of what our usage looks like than just like, Adoption. Adoption is a really fleeting phrase. Mm -hmm. um, so, because if they adopt one thing, they'll adopt the next. Yeah, so you got it. Like you just want to, you want to have them engage and make it actually. Right. I mean, I think I mean that's a great even for me thinking. I'm like, yeah, when somebody throws, like we have a partner who wants to use Monday.com, and I'm like, what? We're already sending forty-seven emails back and forth, right. and have a Google sheet, and like, why are we doing another thing? Yep. And. Uh, so getting that engagement is, is key. Yeah, the engagement's huge. And, and if the engagement is done right, then engagement actually leads to further engagement. Mm -hmm. Because you're actually then, 
you've changed the mindset of, from the user of like, oh gosh, I have to go do this. Oh gosh, I get to go do this to enable myself. What other things can we build that they can go get to do mm-hmm. instead of have to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I think about it. And I think that that's a critical element of how Dot has been built because from a simplicity and a design perspective, um, you know, we hear from customers that that's really what's setting us apart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with the asset management platform that's rolling out, I know that uh, VTS is a, is a competitor in that sure. space. How do you, are, you, are you guys even focused on competitors and, or are you just focused on, hey, let's serve the people right in front of us? Yeah, it's, it's client-centric. Um, we know they're there. I mean, I, I can look across any of the, call it buckets of tech, so from tenant engagement with HQO and Equium and uh, the products in that line, I can look at um, building engines at Angus over in property, uh, building operations, et cetera. Obviously, VTS, VTS is an incredible tool. I mean, they, what they did for us is amazing. They educated a market that we didn't have to educate. They were the first mover. They bought their competitor. They had four or five years of just incredible run in the space and freedom. And I think uh, that's actually enabled our ability to go in and just, you know, it's like simple market dynamics. Competition typically, competition typically lowers cost and increases efficiency. Uh, because you've got now people that have to compete, uh, you know, to do better and win the customer. Um, I am a big believer in the foundation that they've actually laid um, is really been huge for us. And so we don't focus negatively or positively on, you know, all the other groups in the space. We want to go serve the customer. If we can go execute on what we can execute on, customers come. Products always went out. That's how it works. Uh, whether you're a first mover or last mover, products always went out. And we are massive believers in that. Our investor core is a massive believer in that. Uh, it also takes time, but it takes consistent execution to make that happen. So Cole, to your question, um, yes, we are constantly watching what's going on in the space. But for us, being laser focused on the execution of our roadmap and vision, that's an everyday thing. Uh, we never want to get ahead of our skis to get excited about you know fancy light bulbs or things that may flash in our face. I love it. So are you guys, would you guys say you're a more simple platform than VTS or competitors or what? what's the secret sauce? Yeah, I think we're, we're simplistic just based on, frankly, time and market. I mean, they've raised a ton of money. We haven't raised, you know, we've raised a fraction of the money. So just from a on paper perspective, the product has to be simpler. Uh, there's just not been as much dev time, frankly. Um, but also there's a lot of things that we don't, that they do that we don't want to do. Uh, we want to be different. And this is where I, I go back to this commentary I had earlier about creating a new category. We believe that if we partner alongside what our customers want, that as we expand out the net adopted, that actually creates a new category for asset management technology. And, and that's what we're focused on. And, you know, I love, I love the things that they get to do and, and we get to see because it's, it's new and creative and innovative. Uh, but for us, we want to do that inside of where our vision of our product's going. Man, this is, I've been <clears throat> sharp and encouraged. It's been awesome. One question we didn't ask, and I think we just must, is what does dotted mean? <laughs> Sign on the dotted line. <laughs> Sign it, baby. I love yeah. it. That's, that's where it goes. Yeah. Yes, you, you can pronounce it. Yeah. Sign right here. Sign. That's, that's awesome. Good. Well, I mean, Cole, any, any other questions? We're pushing, I think we're pushing an hour. I want to, I, I want to. I like to end on a, just a, a motivating note. I think, I think uh, one of the things I've been encouraged by you is I think you look at a lot of tech startups and you see the CEOs and you're like, you know, uh, 
they're they're at Cycle Bar, you know, at ten o'clock. They're they're at Jamba Juice at eleven. Uh, you know, they hit Bird Bakery at four. Uh, I don't sleep on Bird Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think you you've really been someone that's just gotten and and grinded and mm-hmm. and gotten after it and executed and and really just taken a business plan and executed on it. How do you think about maybe talk about what was your grind for your for the startup and maybe how's that changed? Yes, yeah, so I'll end on kind of a a combo personal work note, um, if you'll let me in. Uh, yeah, great question. So the grind actually looked like me uh, waking up in the morning, uh, going to bed at night. I was on like the 116th page of Google. Uh, so when you search in the top, you get like the first page. It's sketchy down there. Man, it's, it's some weird stuff at the end. <laughs> you um, be careful. You, do, you, you really do. Um, but for me, that's where I learned a lot. And so the grind... The grind was like being made up as I went because you just, I didn't know. I had no idea what the next move was every single day. I just knew there had to be a move. And a lot of moves led to dead ends. What's been really cool and actually one of the things I've really consistently prayed for is closed doors. Closed doors have enabled more of Dotted to exist than any open door has because the closed doors have told us where to move and pivot and do and be. And yeah, I think. That's part of the grind. What's also neat is that Dotted has provided an avenue for me to relook at my life prioritization. So I have some very fundamental beliefs about how I do the world. I'm not at Cycle Bar. Uh, <laughs> not at Jamba Juice. Uh, smoothie King. Though, yeah, Smoothie King's not bad. Okay. Uh, don't sleep on Southpaws and Preston Center. Um, but I may be a bird bakery getting that tomato soup <laughs> and grilled cheese. Um, no, but. What's been neat is actually Dotted's enabled me to, yes, work, but then also have a lot of outlets from a ministry perspective, whether it's leading Young Life or doing other things that um, recenter kind of my focus because that's what I need. And I think it's very easy to get caught up in, yeah, we're traveling to New York and we're traveling to San Fran and we're traveling to do these things and we're meeting with people that we have no business meeting with and then they're like actually interested in being customers and like, oh my gosh, you could make a lot of money and look at this and what if someone wants to buy us or like all of these things um, I think are very enticing. I think the world gives you a menu of uh, kind of luxury items and experiences to choose from. And uh, as a tech founder, one of the things I've tried to keep central is, hey, I, I don't want that menu. I want either um, what the Lord wants for me and I want to be earnest in praying for those things as, as I try and lead. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to like me. That doesn't mean that the business is going to be successful. That doesn't mean that I'm going to have some massive personal brand and make a ton of money. It means that you walk in consistent obedience. And if you walk in consistent obedience and you do the things you need to do day in, day out, ultimately try and get somewhere. Mm. That's good. I don't know if there's a better way to end it right no. there. Sure. But I, I, I gotta say it. But I'm just like, man, that's encouraging to me personally. That should be encouraging to the listener, regardless of what you believe. Yeah. There's got to be something core about your life that just keeps you centered. Because no mm-hmm. amount of success, no amount of money, no amount of the menu that the world can offer is going to yeah. satisfy. Even, I mean, some people get consumed in work and working more and more and more. Sure. So, some it's money, insert whatever, the experience. And I love that, I mean, you have the opportunity to dabble in all of that. You, if yeah. you wanted to, you could work 120 hours. Sure. Day. If you wanted to you could exit your company right now and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to, you could keep riding your company and travel all over the world and have these amazing experiences. But right. 
you're choosing to keep the core thing of your life the core thing, which is ultimately the only place that you're going to find happiness, joy, satisfaction. And I think that is something that as somebody who is one day going to be an investor into things like this, yeah. I'm like, that's what I want to invest in, is a, is a leader who knows where their value is, where their worth is, and also that that's what motivates them to be excellent in what they do. And um, I'm really glad you touched on that and closed there. Yeah, so cool. hopefully you guys rewind my minute and go listen to that again and end the podcast there. So, um, man, is there anywhere people and listeners can follow you online or your company or get involved with the Dotted story? Yeah, so Dotted's on LinkedIn. Dotted is on Instagram. A little note, Dotted is D-O-T-T-I-D because I'm about the least edgy person in the world, <laughs> but we traded out the E for the I at the end. Um, so yeah, give us a follow. I love it. All right, well, um, man, hopefully that was encouraging to you guys. It was motivational, encouraging, and um, just challenging for me to, to keep pushing. So Kyle, thank you for joining us, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Like, subscribe, go follow Kyle and Dotted, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.